and welcome to CigarCast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from Crown Cigars and Nails here in beautiful Brentwood, Tennessee. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Debbin, and I'm joined as I am every week by the thief of the intro, Mr. Shane Reeves. Hallelujah. <laughs> you, li- you listened to the new podcast. I did. It sounds remarkably familiar. Well, yes, and I... D- I did that in homage to your uh-huh. skills. Okay. And I, 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 if, if imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, then I am quite flattered. Paying tribute to your skills as a <laughs> podcaster. You should be flattered beyond words. And I, now, um, by the way, after the show, you've got to tell me what you think about it. And I, I want to see I, if I your feedback will. is the same as everybody else's was. But anyway, so coming back. <laughs> coming back to cigars. Hey, this is a cigar cast. This is the most wonderful time of the year. Forget Christmas. Because all the new releases have hit the shelves. Every time I go in the humidor, there's something new. I'm, I'm constantly doing the giraffe, peeking over the bar to see what Beth's got hid behind the counter. I was up at Smoker's Abbey last night, and man, their humidor looks good. It's a bunch of stuff I've never even heard of before, because they specialize in the small boutiques. Right. And so, yeah, it was just, it's it's a great time of year to be a cigar smoker. It is. And this is and this especially is this week when the humidity's gone down to a reasonable level and oh. it's actually nice outside. I was surprised you set up inside. Well, I just commenced to setting up. I probably should have set up outside, but I just commenced to setting up. I was I'm I'm in full podcast gear. Hang on to your hat. All right. So, I had a tough call tonight. I see that. So, I went in and actually bought 3 cigars. And I actually I bought 2 out of the humidor and then one from behind the counter. So I have the JFR Lunatic Habano. Which is a cigar that you've talked about looking forward to for a while. Right. And this is the El Chiquito, my favorite size, the 4 by 70 Right. You know, we're talking here about a, um, a, a Ecuadorian Habano wrapper, Nicaraguan binders and fillers. JFR quietly becoming one of my go-to smokes. Quietly, really climbing the charts just by virtue. Their stuff is good, and yeah. it's kind of an unsung hero of the humidor because it's it. The boxes are unassuming; you don't really notice them. Their price and their size is excellent. Mm-hmm. I mean, they do have the Jack Hammer, the eight by eight or seven eight by sixty, and all, which is usually my Tuesday smoke when I'm gonna be here for a couple hours before poker. Gotcha. But I can't decide about do I smoke that. I also have the new Ricochet Mexican. Okay. Now, this just came out today. Literally, Beth broke the box open for me. I was about to say, I haven't seen that yet. Yeah, I could be the first one in the shop to fire up one of these. Probably will be the first. This will probably be the... the Even if you don't smoke it on the show when you smoke it afterwards, you'll still be the first one in the shop to fire that up. And then I have the My Father La Promesa. Mm. This is the best cigar My Father's Cigars has ever made. Wow. That's high praise. That's a bold statement coming from me. But I've had two of them. This would be my third, and I can tell you, this is the best cigar my father's cigars has ever made. Wow. And all. For my palate, it hits it just right. What's the price point on that? Uh, 11 bucks. Okay, not bad. It tickles it in all the right places. It's it's smooth where it needs to be. It's got that little bit of complexity. It's got everything that you really need. But I think I'm going to go with the El Chiquito. All right. I think that's the, I think that's going to be the cigar of choice tonight. And you haven't had one of those yet, right? I have not. So I'm also smoking a cigar that I haven't had before. Uh, we had a McAuliffe event last Saturday uh, here at the shop, and I wasn't able to really hang out for the event, which was kind of a shame because I really would have liked to. I've become a big fan of McAuliffe cigars since you turned me on to them, and... Uh, so I picked up a couple of the Nicaraguas because I do like that quite a bit. Uh, a Matafina and then one of these, which is the Lajero. I have one of these in the humidor at home. I have not smoked it yet, but I thought, you know, I've just smoked a couple of the Nicaraguans recently. I had one last night at Smoker's Abbey. And then I had this, um, and then I had one the other day, um, after the event. So I thought, let's, let's change it up. Let's, let's, smoke something new for the sake of the podcast. It's a Sumatran wrapper over Ecuadorian binder and Dominican and Nicaraguan fillers. So it's, my goodness, you giving smoke signals over there? <laughs> that is that is quite the plumage. Well, a 70 ring gauge, you got to take your time when you yeah. light that thing. You can't just rush into that. I have heard one review of this cigar that wasn't 
totally favorable. Um, I know you're a pretty big fan of this one, I believe. Well, so I smoked my first Lajero, um Sunday morning, or not Sunday evening. And I never it's smoked. Got a mild cold draw. It's it's a it's a step up in strength for them. To me, it was stronger than the Nicaraguan huh. and stronger than the Matafina. Now, the Matafina will always be my favorite. Um, the Sumatra, which is the other one of the varieties they brought in here, I really enjoy, but it's super mild. The Lajero's definitely their, it's their bulldog. It's going to be the stronger of the blends that they have. Um, had a great event, had a lot of fun with Perfect Andy. Perfect smoke before you go for a run. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you'll, yeah you'll love that. And I'll hang on, i got to put more fire to this, talk right. about something. Uh, so the event on Saturday was a really good event. It seemed like he had a pretty good turnout. Like I said, I was here early. Um, I love seeing shops that do events for a new release or a new addition to the humidor. I feel like we used to see that more often where a new line would come into the shop and so they'd do a big you know, uh, release party, so to speak. I don't feel like you see that as much anymore as you used to. You know, I think it's part of the changing industry. Because to me, if I was if I was introducing Shane Cigars and all, and the... I'd the, hope you come up with a better name than that. Oh, no. Well, it's the sizes is where I'll have the name. I'll have the Venomous Duck. Mm-hmm. I'll have, you know, I've got several really good cigar names. I actually have a list I'll have to pull up someday and go <laughs> over with you. But anyway, some of them not fit to air. But anyway, I would have a sampler pack for sale. I would just say, hey, we're a new line. Here's a, you know, even if I handmade them, even if I homemade them and put five in a bag and said, here's a sampler pack of our cigars that you can pick up for 30 bucks, And it'll tell you, and, and if you buy the sampler pack, we'll give you two raffle tickets instead of one. Right. And, I'll, and just go ahead and do it that way. And I know they didn't do it that way, but that's nothing wrong with it. I, Andy was blessed to have me here, and I was, you know, very much promoting his product and talking to people about it and telling them what I liked and which ones are my favorite and everything like that. So um, just, you know, being a good host. <laughs> but um, the event went well. But now here's my question. I want to talk, before we get into news, before we get into reviews, before we get into any of the stuff that I copied off of you talking about for the podcast intro, um, tell me how many events should a shop have? Six a year. Six a year. So not quarterly, but a a little better than quarterly. Every other month. Every other month. That's not a bad number. I think quarterly is not bad. Uh, I think quarterly is better than a lot of shops do. But I, I think for me, I remember back in the day when cigar shops would have one a month. And some of them still do. And I think you just wear people out. You know, you've barely smoked through the box that you got at the last event, and now it's event time again. And a lot of people like to buy boxes at events because it's where you get the best Right, it's the best box. place to buy a box. Yeah. And I think you just wear people out by having events that frequently. And then in the meantime, you know, you think about the other thing for an event is it's it's good face time with your customers as a shop. You know, it, it draws a crowd. It gets people in. It gets people interested. And if you do it too infrequently, then you run the risk of losing that face time to other shops who are doing events. But when is the best day to have an event? Because, you know, the event here is Saturday night. It was not well attended, but he made, he sold a lot of cigars. The people that came were the people that, you know, everybody was buying a box plus. It's tough. I remember when Saturdays were the days to do events. Everybody did events on Saturdays. I remember that. Lately, it seems like you've got a lot more Friday events. I know that most of Austin's events are on Fridays. On a certain, on one hand, I really do like that because then it's a good way to start the weekend. But... Just similarly to Saturdays where you end up with events not well attended because people have stuff going on, Friday nights tend to be busy for people. I know several couple friends for whom Friday night is their date night. That's the night they go out to eat. and they, So they, they could, you could ask them what they're doing 17 Fridays from now, and they can tell you. Maybe not where, but what. And so I think you run into to some issues there. I'm a big fan of Tuesday and or Thursday nights. That's been something I've been seeing a lot more of lately, uh, especially with your bigger brands. 
because it allows you to get people to get brands in the shop that, you know, I think of Kyle Davis. That boy does more, that man does more, sorry, <laughs> if you're listening, Kyle, I apologize for that. He does more events than anybody else I know. And so by scheduling an event on a Tuesday or a Thursday, get you a little bit better availability and get you a little bit more focused and individual, not saying anything about him specifically, but just of your reps, they're going into a weekend knowing I've got this event and I've got this and then I've got to get here and then I've got to get home because my kid's turning to and then I've got to do it. But if you do it in the middle of their week when they're on it, you get the best version of the rep to do your event. You get your regular weeknight crowd and then you get some of that overflow of people because who has stuff going on on Tuesdays and Thursday nights? Usually my weeknights I can move around much better than I can my weekend nights. See, I think the the golden ticket is Thursday night from 4 to 8. Cut it off at 8 o'clock. That way everybody's still got time to get home and get to bed. All the drawings are done. And those that want to hang out till 10 or 11 will. Right. And if the rep, you know, Andy hung out here for a while after the event was, quote, over the other night and just... And Andy's so good. He walk around. You know, if there wasn't somebody at his table, he was walking around. Hey, tell me what you think about that cigar. Explain to me how that feels to you. Hey, how did you like that? Hey, you know, if you don't care for that one, now let's look, don't don't give up on me. I can try this one for you, or we can do something right. here. You know, so Andy's so good at that part of it, and that to me is the epitome. Of, the worst thing in the world is the ref that just comes in. And sits behind his table and gives everybody that comes in the death stare if they go to the humidor before they stop at him. Right. But does nothing to garner any attention. I, there's one that comes to mind that I've, I've been at some of his events, and that's exactly what he does. He stands behind the table. If you come up and talk to him, he'll engage, but otherwise don't bother. And I think I think it says a lot about your brand, and it says a lot about the uh the rep himself, whoever that may be, whether it's a sales rep or an ambassador of the company, to, to be engaging the customers. That's why you do events. Well, you know, the second worst rep is the rep that doesn't want to talk to you if it's not about his cigars. Right. You know, that doesn't bring anything to the table that, you know, because there's going to be times, I guarantee you every rep gets this question, What's what do you have that's like Padron? Right. And when you ask that question, you're going to find out who the rep is. Because the honest rep is going to say, nothing is like a Padron. Right. You know, the the honest rep is going to say, there's a reason those Padrones are 20-something dollars. And now the Davidoff rep is going to try to convince you that his no-flavored stick is better than the, ta- the Well, we have a, see, here's my, here's my struggle. The guy that represents Davidoff in our area is the greatest guy ever. He really is. And he does not deserve the treatment that I give Davidoff. So all the Davidoff reps, except for Garrett, because Garrett's wonderful. (laughs) I hate all lawyers except mine. But Garrett's wonderful. But the, the persona, the company projection of Davidoff tends to lend itself more to we won't we want to tell you that our cigar is the best no matter what. Well, there are there are two companies I know in particular that actually set out to create a competitor to the Padron. One of them is Gurkha. You want to take a guess at how well they yeah. did that? And the other is uh, Oliva. The Serie V Milano is as close to a Padron as you can get without buying a Padron. I, I will say they did a very good job at that cigar. Gurkha should try more realistic expectations. Create something to compete with the quorum. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but my sorry, point, Tom. But my point is that there are two there are two cigar brands I know that specifically tr- developed an answer to that question. But like you said, everybody else, um, yeah, it's just like you said. The honest answer is we we don't come close. But that's because that's not who we are. And just because you're not a Padron doesn't mean that you're not a good cigar. I smoke two Padrones a year. I mean, of the anniversary series. I'm, you know, I love that cigar, but I'm not looking for that in an everyday smoke. Sometimes you want something different. Yeah, the completely honest rep will tell you we're not Padron. We don't try to be. There's no, we don't need to be Padron because you have Padron. Exactly. You know, if if the if we needed another Padron, then we would try to be Padron, but we don't need to be. We we are who we are. Yeah, exactly. And McAuliffe has done a great job of promoting their brand in that manner. 
you know, I won one of the sampler sets here, one of the Gomez Sanchez sampler sets and all, and I posted it on the McAuliffe page with my coin and my ambassador number and all that. And it's, it's you know, that page is huge, and it's got a bunch of camaraderie on it. It's a great deal. Now, did you get a coin while you were here? When I was here right as the event started, the rep came in right as the event was starting. And so I did, and I had, be, and because he came in, like, right at start time, that was when I had to be on the road headed home. So I didn't get time but to even say, hey, and grab my cigars and go. I wanted to support the shop, and I wanted to support the brand, but there really wasn't much of an event for me. Yeah. We were here. We got here about 5.30. The event started at 4. We got here about 5.30. Had a couple of smokes. I I drifted around, talked to everybody, but great event. Okay. Let's run real quick to our um, our government update. First thing I want to talk about is from Aficionado. Cigar industry blasts FDA product approval plan. It's about time. It is about time. Does yeah. it does it always take seven years to get organized? <laughs> well, they came right up again. And this, I can understand. So the public commenting period for the FDA's for the FDA's proposed rules is about to expire. Right. So the cigar company, to, the cigar industry, took all the time. We're talking about Cigar Rights of America. We're talking about. PCA, we're talking about Fuente, Padron, Newman. These are the people head, spearheading this. Right. They took the time to really craft an argument. Right, to craft an argument. And their basic argument is everything we said, premium cigars should be exempt from the FDA. And, all, and they define a premium cigar is wrapped in whole tobacco leaf, contains 100% leaf tobacco binder, is made manually combining wrapper, filler, and binder, has no filter tip or non-tobacco mouthpiece, and is capped by hand, and weighs more than six pounds per 1,000 units. Yeah. That, to me, defines a premium cigar. It does. It does. And they've sent this proposal to the FDA. They've really pushed it through. They have constructed a very well-thought-out argument. They noted... The underage smoking of cigars is non-existent. Mm-hmm. You know, it's statistically non-existent. So, I'm up for it. Yeah, and I, I, I actually, I, I kind of gave them a little bit of grief when you mentioned it. But the thing is, I do like that they took the time. That, you know, the 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 public time of of being able to the public comment timeline. They didn't just rush in with a statement of of saying, uh, "This is bad. Stop right. it." They I'm sure consulted with some lawyers. They they cited some reports and some uh, studies. You know, they did their due diligence and they came forward with a united front rather than Fuente, J, Fuente J. C. Newman, you know, giving their thing and then Perdomo giving their thing. They all came through as a united front, and I think that's the way to go. Show them that we're a strong industry and that we're not going anywhere. Yeah, and you know, show them that this cash grab that the FDA is attempting is just that. You know, let's call a spade a spade. The other piece of legislative news is, man, there's a lot of smoke coming off of this stick. Mine's not yeah, far behind yours. We're, we're going to be in a fog battle. We are. Here in a minute, there's going to need to be a lighthouse around. I've got to say, you're right. This is a bit stronger than the Nicaraguan. I don't think it's as flavorful as the Nicaraguan, but it is stronger. It's Yeah, it's a lot more. It's probably more Fernandez- than anything they do, it's probably, it's got a little more of that Fernandez strength for the sake of strength. I I would disagree with that. I don't I don't get any sort of Fernandez type of uh, uh, homage, if you will, or or kind of or similarities. I'd say it's a little bit more LFD. Probably that may be a better. You may have the better analogy there, and I'll actually compare it more to an LFD. Now the Habano. In the El Chiquito, the Lunatic, I'm not telling a lot of difference in the regular Lunatic and the Habano yet. Hmm. Which are the same price, so I don't care. You know, it's not like they asked for more money. Right. <laughs> and all. But um, it's still a full-bodied cigar. It's still got a lot of flavor. It still does everything that Lunatic does well. It's just a little different wrapper. And like I said, I can't, t- I can't say as I, I can tell a lot of difference in what they've done. So... A judge in Maryland has moved up the deadline for cigar manufacturers to submit certain product approval applications to the FDA. 
So the FDA originally extended. Now, this is an interesting thing, because on the surface you're saying, oh, no, he's moved up the process. Move, move up and move back are a lot like this week and next weekend. Right. Everyone, not everybody uses them the, the same way, and it can create some confusion. Well, so originally the FDA proposed they wanted all of these filed by um, new products on the market as of August 8th, 2016. So anything before 2016 is grandfathered in. 2016 forward to May 12th, 2020 is supposed to be, um, right. that was supposed to be the deadline. FDA wanted to extend that two years to August of 2021. I think this is the FDA trying to wear the cigar industry down. I I applaud this judge. I actually think this was a good move for the cigar industry because it forces a ruling to come to term. Because that's another, you know, from uh, 2020 of May to August of 2021, that's a year and two months, a year and a month or two. Yeah, I mean, and if you think about how long this has gone on already, you know, it's time to... Do your thing or get off the pot. And, hey, boys, lawyers are paid by the hour. Right. A year's worth of of hours at $500 an hour, that's a lot of money. Especially when you consider that it's it's private companies paying for lawyers versus our tax dollars paying for lawyers. Right. Versus the FDA ver- versus the elected employees. Mm-hmm. And all, they're not elected officials. I'm now going full Ted Nugent. They are now elected employees for the rest of my life. The elected employees have no, they don't care how much of our money they spend. Yeah, exactly. It's amazing how free you are with your wallet when it's not your money. Yeah. So I'm glad for this Maryland judge shortening that deadline for product approval. It's going to be, it's going to come to a head. Yeah. You know, it's going to have to come to a head. We've got to have some closure on this thing. I mean, it's been too long. It's been since 2013 when all this started. Yeah. So I think they should do this. Um, It's it's time for it to come. FDA, just because I'm sure they're listening. Yeah, I'm sure they're listening, and all the spies are. Just give it up. I'll tell you what. Here's the deal. I'm gonna offer you this deal right now on behalf of the cigar industry. I'm I'm duly and totally not authorized to offer this deal, but I'm gonna offer this deal. You want flavored cigars because your argument is the same argument I have against vaping, that it makes tobacco use palatable palatable to children. You can have flavored cigars. We'll strike them from the market. They're gone. And in return, you will leave premium cigars, as we defined it earlier, alone forever. Right. And that's something we said two years ago when we were talking about the same thing. I'm willing to give an inch if it'll get them to leave us alone. The problem is that they're just going to come back three years and reintroduce this all over again. Because, well, we got you to capitulate on this. What's going to stop you from, we can wear you down some more. Well, and, you, you know, you have people in the cigar industry that's not helping it. You know, the Jackson Crawl right. we have talked about. Also, you know, the cognac-infused cigars. No, I agree. Um, it, I can't tell you how many non-cigar smokers I know that if they are going to have a cigar, it's, it's the Maker's Mark or the, you know, the cognac or the brandy or the bourbon-infused ones. This is the only problem with smoking a 70-ring gauge is you will get an awkward burn if you're not real careful. You right. you got to... I've been over here trying to wet it. I've been trying because going to the lighter. You're also such a fast smoker. The faster you smoke a cigar, the more likely you are to get an uneven burn. Yeah, I probably need to slow off the uh, lean off the accelerator a little and and kind of let it catch up. But well, speaking of leaning off the accelerator, let's step away for a break real quick. When we come back, I understand you've got a mystery article for me. We also want to talk about the nanny state of Facebook and Instagram and that mess that they announced today. So we'll be back with that and more after this. Shane here with this week's Cigar Under 8. I'm smoking one. I love them. It's the JFR Lunatic. Um, this is a good cigar I still haven't had. Oh, you you got to get you. Well, you've got to find somewhere that carries the smaller size, more your ring gauge. Yeah, I'd be happy to try one. I know you speak so highly of it. And all, but I think the smallest one in this humidor happens to be a 6x60. Right. And all, but it comes in a number of sizes. It comes in the Chiquito, which I'm smoking, the 4.7x70. Jackhammer, 8x60, the Bellicoso, 8x80, and the Short Robusto, 4, 4.7x52. 
and all, and they all run about that eight dollar range. They're all pretty good, pretty good price, and actually you probably get them under eight dollars in most cases. The original wrapper on the Lunatic is the San Andreas wrapper with Nicaraguan binder and filler, and then tonight I'm having the Habano with the binder and filler, the Nicaraguan binder and all filler. All the same price. All the same price. Great cigars made by Casa Fernandez and the Aganarsa Farms. Absolutely can't say enough good things about this cigar. This week, take time, have a have a JFR Lunatic. Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. I'm one of your hosts, Shane, sitting across from Trey Deadman. He's going to be in the beta group for my new treatment for projectile dysfunction. Here's a gun and a pill tray. <laughs> I accused one of my hunting buddies of projectile dysfunction when he missed a deer the other day. <laughs> it was not it was it was not received well by the young man. <laughs> I would imagine not. And all, but coming back to cigars, and I'll first update me. What do you think of the little hero? Tell me about it. I think it's I think it's good. Um, I it it's definitely stronger than any of else any of the other stuff in this line, which I think is interesting. You know, the whole the whole idea behind this line, the Grande Bold line, which has the Matafina, the Nicaraguan, the Lajero, and the Sumatra, are that they're all very bold cigars. I don't find the Nicaraguan to be particularly bold. I find it to be full-flavored and sort of medium to full-bodied. I don't think it's it's knock-your-socks-off bold. This has a lot more strength behind it. I think the the flavor is a little bit of a step back from the Matafina, I think, is probably even more flavorful than the Nicaraguan, even though I like the Nicaraguan better, just because I think it balances strength and flavor better. Um, I really like it. I'm getting that nice palate burn on mm-hmm. the back of my tongue. Not burn in a bad way, but just that sort of that spice, that residual spice. You know you're smoking feeling. a cigar. Yeah. So um had a chance when I was talking to Andy Yaffe, who's our rep for McAuliffe. And I said, tell me what our listeners need to know about McAuliffe. Tell me what I need to relay to our listeners about McAuliffe. And he said, so McAuliffe cigars basically... Gentleman in Texas, I forget his name, I'd have to look it up, and all that owns McAuliffe, Mr. McAuliffe, um, he ran a business doing auto trim and made a lot of money, and he wanted to introduce a a cigar line, and he met the Gomez family, and when he met the Gomez family, they wanted somebody to help distribute their cigars in the United States, and that's how McAuliffe was born. And I'll, and he'll actually be here in town at the Humidor in Murfreesboro September 4th. Al. Al McAuliffe. Al McAuliffe. And Al, you know, Al spoke with Mr. Gomez and he said, this is the, this is what I want. I like your cigars. And the McAuliffe Bold Line, I'll tell you, for me, it's good, better, best. Good is the Sumatra and the Lajero. Better is the Nicaraguan. Best is the Matafina. Mm-hmm. That's really my good, better, best. There's no bad. Yeah, I need to I need to take another shot at the Matafina. I haven't had but two. I've been smoking a little bit more of the Nicaraguan, and uh, I I need to I need to figure out which between those two is truly my favorite. The problem is that before Austin got them in the shop here, I was kind of limited in size by where I was getting them. So the Matafina sold out of the size that I like faster, so I only got to have a couple of them. Yeah, yeah, and the Mon- the Montefina is actually better in the bigger ring gauge because you do get more of that wrapper, and all. And I I wonder what it would be like in the Lancero, and all. But I don't I don't know that they make it in the Lancero. No, they don't. And all, but moving so Lunatic Habano, it's excellent. It's a great cigar. I love the size. I love the feel. I love the flavor of it. It's complex. It's not overpowering. It is a full bodied cigar. Mm-hmm. Um, don't grab a lunatic if it's your first cigar, right? Or you've only been in the hobby for a couple of months. But it's just and the price point on these is always in that eight dollar range, that eight to ten dollar range. They're always priced well. They're just a great smoke all around. So let's talk about the big deal: Facebook, Instagram banning cigar alcohol sales and giveaway on their platforms. And and not just sales and giveaways, but trades, I think, is an important um, distinction there as well. Because I know you and I are both a member of several Facebook groups that 
revolve around cigars, just fandom in general. But, man, a lot of cigar transactions take mm-hmm. place on those groups. Well, okay, so let's let's first talk about what their official rules are. They're going to ban the sale or transfer of alcohol tobacco products. This includes private sales, giveaway, etc. Tobacco-related brand pages must be 18+. plus. Any brand that promotes the sale of tobacco will be restricted to 18+. plus, And violators will be removed. No, that's... Neither here Removed from Facebook. Yeah. You go to well, Facebook they're not, not going to send you know Schwarzenegger back and well, no, rub I them ju- out. No, I just mean they're not go- not removing you from those groups. They remove, they delete your account or deactivate your account rather. So there's a couple. I want give me your unvarnished opinion first because mine's pretty varnished. I actually don't hate this. Number one, I'm really glad that. This is going to, I, I really think this is going to benefit the brick and mortar. Uh, because it's going to limit the number of people that go in and buy boxes of these special releases only to turn around and sell them for three times their retail price online. And I see that all the time. That's a, that's a good point. That's why we have so often when a new cigar comes out, Limit two per customer. Limit five per customer. Right. Because these guys that are so well-connected on these marketplace groups or, or these, you know, buy, sell, swap groups, yeah, th- they will they will buy as many as they can find. I know I have a friend that bought t- a, a limited edition box online, and it was limit two boxes per customer. He sold one of the boxes for enough to cover the price of the box he kept. That's just not what this is all about. I, I'm sorry. That's not what the hobby is all about. It's not about turning a profit and smoking for free. It's about finding a cigar you enjoy and smoking it with people you like most of the time when you can. I just, I, you know, and the other thing is somewhat selfishly, I'm glad for once they lo- they lumped alcohol in with tobacco. I mean, let's stop acting like tobacco is this horrible thing and alcohol is just part of our culture like they they both if you're going to limit one i feel like you have to limit the other right let's not let the soccer mom that was just at the anti-smoking rally stop it stop by the grocery store and pick up two bottles of wine on her way home mm-hmm. um so this sort of action really doesn't affect the average cigar smoker no it really doesn't i mean i don't think it's going to affect the average cigar smoker there's two things going on here one there are a lot of shops that get around some of the rules for shipping and selling online via Facebook. That is true, too. They have a personal Facebook account, and they sell some stuff they get in their shop that way. Now, I'm, you know, if it's a case where somebody ordered a Arturo Fuente, the big $5,000 humidor, the Don Carlos, you know, fingerprint humidor that came out last year and gets hung up with one because somebody didn't buy it, not that we know anybody in this shop that got hung up with one of them, but <clears throat> just in case. And he wants to put that humidor out there to a larger market and all so that I don't buy it right before Christmas. Um, <laughs> and he has to pay taxes on it. Um, if he wants to do that, that's not as egregious to me. Right. But let's not use this to skirt the rules. Well, exactly, because I do see a lot of times where there are boxes that come in in other shops that that are already earmarked for online sale. Now, if you're the kind of cigar shop that's doing a lot of online business and that's part of your business plan, you're doing it through your website, that's that's fine. But if you're selling them online where you're not charging taxes for them and you're you know, able to mark it up beyond what know, the manufacturer would have you. Yeah, and beyond what your local market will will dictate, I think it comes down to Knowing your audience. If you're buying so many cigars that you can't move in your shop, but so that you're having to, that that's a regular part of your business is, is getting up to the, the, the wider market, then you don't understand your customer base. Well, now the second part of this Facebook right now is the social media juggernaut. Mm-hmm. They are the undisputed heavyweight champion of social media in this country. And they're not going anywhere. Well, are moves like this not going to start slowly but surely splintering off? You know, okay, so... The problem with that is, 
you have a couple of social media sites dedicated to cigars. You've got Cigar Dojo is the one that comes to mind. Um, do you know anybody that actually goes on Cigar Dojo? I, they got hot for about a year, and I haven't logged in in six years. I don't even know if my account's still active. I, I don't because there's not enough the cigar environment, the cigar culture is not big enough to support its own. You know, so yeah, you can go to Twitter, but Twitter doesn't have groups, so you have a harder time finding your audience. I mean, I don't, I don't think the cigar industry, as from a consumer standpoint, is well, co- is cohesive enough to to find another outlet. But did you ever think I compare this to the cable industry? How long did you have ABC, NBC, CBS, and then if you wanted to watch movies, you had HBO and Cinemax? Now we have the Food Network, the Sci-Fi Channel, the History Channel, VH1, MTV. Yeah, but that was a technology thing. Well, this is a technology thing. I don't think it is. I think the technology exists. I think moves like this damage Facebook much more. I think in the in the eyes of history, moves like this will damage Facebook more than anything they do. When they start becoming heavy-handed and judgmental about what they allow and what they don't, True, but I think I think when the dust clears and you know we're looking at this through the lens of history, I think Facebook is going to be judged far more harshly for their targeting of conservative groups and content than they will be for alcohol and tobacco. Oh, I, sure. I, I don't think this is going to hurt them. I do think there are things they are doing that will hurt them, but I don't think this is one of them. Well, time will tell. It's like being pregnant. Time will tell. It's hard not to you know to eventually notice that. Real quick, I'm going to touch on an event just because I love this. You know, we love Cigars for Warriors here at the Cigar Cast. Yeah. Big supporter Cigars for Warriors sends cigars out to people who are deployed where they know. And it's not even the cigar. It's they know somebody here is thinking about them. And uh, we have a donation box here. We give to them every week through the poker game and people drop boxes. and And, And Barn Smoker. As well, Barn Smoker is a huge fundraiser. This is a fundraiser for Cigars for Warriors. It's July 27th. It's a barbecue from 12 to noon at Hogshead Cigars and Fine Tobaccos. Um, Hogshead is in um, Herman, Minnesota. So July 12th, they're going to be doing a barbecue. They're breaking out the grill. If you live in that area, go support Cigars for Warriors. Yeah, absolutely. You know, if you happen to be visiting, you know, your long-lost uncle up there or something, just remember that date and go ahead and visit them. I'm I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but I do want to touch on that real quick. So. Oh, he's got that look in his eye. This is the surprise one. This is the one I saved for you. The Cigar Smoking World Championship. I knew that's what it was going to be about. (laughs) Season 2019, the qualifiers are over. The field is now set for the Cigar Smoking World Championship in Croatia. Um, the champion Mihal Itoafa from Romania, who won with a smoking time of 120 minutes 50 seconds, will be taking on Gino Rossano Lanillo from Italia. And uh, he from won- Italy. <laughs> from Italy. <laughs> Had a lot of A's going on. Okay. <laughs> but I'm not correcting the host. Um, he's also going to take up. I see gonna, how it is. All right, now I know whose show it is. <laughs> the host. The host. Now, okay. All right, Mr. Smarty Pants. Um, Gino Rossano. Uh, wait, sorry, that's the other one. Morton Henriksen. Who's he? Where's he from? Give sounds, me your best. Sounds like Finland or Sweden or Denmark. Close. Norwegian. Norwegian champion. <laughs> I hit all the other Scandinavian countries. Mr. Kerry Salmanium. With a time of 91 minutes, 24 seconds. Where is he from? What was his name? Kari Salmanim. Salmanim. Uh, Turkey? Finland. Huh. Uh, one, one more. Andrei Pasechnik. Poland. And a Ukrainian champion. I was one door over. 123 minutes, 33 seconds. And all, and so the world championship is set. The ladies' division is set, and it will soon be in Croatia for the where we will crown a 2019 person with the least to do in the world. When is when is the competition? Does it um, say? 
So grand, I know to avoid any time. <laughs> this is how you know you're in a slow contest. The grand finality is from August 30th until September 1st in Split, Croatia. They <laughs> need three days to smoke their cigar for two hours? Hey, they're, they're hoping for a world record. Yeah, that would be. <laughs> And also, they're they're taking their time, you know, making it easy, which I can understand that because I would be interested. Do they group them? Is it like head to head? Is it four at a time? Is it three at a time? Is it two at a time? Because if if you're smoking and you look at the guy next to you, and you know you're halfway through and he's still barely nursing a light on his, there's there's some thoughts. I think to make it interesting, it should be a head to head competition bracket style, and you should be able to distract your opponent. You should be able to kick him under the table, tell dirty jokes. You should be to do whatever you have to do to get him to forget he's smoking a cigar and let it go out. Or all the contestants have to sit there butt naked. <laughs> One or the other. That would definitely reduce the spectator involvement of that sport. <laughs> it definitely wouldn't be on ESPN Ocho. But still with the bow tie and cuffs. You still <laughs> Yeah. So... Um, another interesting article for the cigar industry, and this is something you know a lot about. This is one of those topics you definitely going to know more about than I am. Cigar users can pay less for life insurance with Cigar Life Guy. Dave Arlinghaus is an independent life insurance broker, and basically what he does is the guy that smokes a cigar, he tries to help him not have to pay tobacco user rates. So as someone who is... Was and still is a, a licensed insurance agent. Let me kind of break down what's going on here. The um, an independent life insurance broker is not actually writing your policy. What they're doing is they're getting all of your information. It's called field underwriting. So that's where they're going to ask you those preliminary questions, because and then they're going to shop it a, a, among the major life insurers like AIG, uh, Legal and General Banner, um, Protective, a couple of the other guys. And each of these companies follow basically the same underwriting guidelines, but they all have different areas where they're better for you than the others. So uh, Prudential is one, for example, that actually looks pretty favorably upon cigar smoking. So they all have different rules and regulations for how they determine what classifies as a tobacco user. For some of those companies, it's 12 or less, 12 or fewer cigars per year. If you smoke one a month or less, you don't qualify as a tobacco user. If I remember correctly, Prudential is 52 cigars. So you can be a weekly cigar smoker and still qualify for non-tobacco rates. For those playing the home game, tobacco rates tend to be about two and a half times more expensive than non-tobacco rates uh, when it comes to life insurance. So it, it's really, I mean, it, it, it's really a, a big deal that they're starting to market this because I know there are plenty of cigar smokers who don't have life insurance because they don't think they can get it. So there are some stipulations. You have to still do a a urine test because they can test for nicotine or or the byproducts of it. And so you still have to test clean on that. So so you can't smoke for a couple of days leading up to your exam and, and things like that. So it's not just as cut and dry as, yeah, I only smoke once a month. You, you kind of have to put your money where your pee is. But. Well, and the other thing he also put in there was, you know, if you don't have, you can't smoke cigarettes. Cigarettes right. put you as a smoker, bar none. And you have to also have a pretty clean record otherwise. Yeah, exactly. That's the other thing is that you're looking to have, you're looking to be in what they call the preferred categories of, of health insurance, or of life insurance to begin with. So if you're someone like me who works out five times a week, eats relatively healthy, has a healthy BMI, the only, you know, and no family history, the only thing you have going for you is the fact that you smoke the occasional cigar, then you're in good shape. So it's... it's but if you also have high blood pressure, you're out. If you also have diabetes, you're out, that sort of thing. Well, and this this ties directly into we are entering an age... Because of the FDA, one of the benefits of the FDA trying to do a cash grab, a smash and grab on the cigar industry, is people are learning there's a big difference in cigars and cigarettes. The general public is becoming more educated on the difference in cigars and cigarette smoking. Well, and that's the thing, too. If you, if you really want to, you know, to stick one to the FDA, look at life insurance companies. There is no other industry in the country 
that can tell you more. They can plan your death on an actuarial table to within a week. You know, th- these guys do everything by the numbers. It's all about risk, uh, risk offset. So if a life insurance company has a vested financial interest in whether or not you're doing something to affect your health, is saying that cigars do not pose the same risk as, to, as cigarettes, maybe you want to listen to those people. Well, and it's not even about you dying. It's about treatment. You know, you dying is actually less expensive than, Well, you know, but we're talking life insurance. So all yeah. they care about is if you die. Okay, so they're just talking about if you die. Yeah, health insurance is a different animal altogether. But this is from Cision Magazine and PR Web. You can go read the articles. It's from July 24th, and it's it's an interesting article. He brings up a lot of interesting points in this article. I'm not going to get too deep into it because it's a happy show. And also, one of the other articles. So this is an aficionado article. Sun and Sun has built a gold bullion ashtray. Are, um, are people just doing this because is this all about coulda, not shoulda? Is that what we're getting into? Is that not hideous? Actually, I don't hate it. You don't? I, I hate it. Why do you hate it? It's simple. Right. And uh, why? Why? I, I would think of all people, you would like simple in a design. You make a living because of simple design. But I don't want simplicity for the sake of simplicity. I want simplicity for the sake of efficiency. That ashtray is going to be a pain to handle. The ashtray weighs six pounds. You can get the... the is it concrete? No, it's um, actually a lead mix. Oh, okay. Oh, solid blocks of brass or <laughs> or steel, depending on whether okay. you want the gold. The one, in the, the, the one in the picture looked look like the steel one. Yeah, it's the steel one. Um, and so, and then the polished with a silver satin finish, or you can get it electroplated in 24 karat gold for $2,400. So, is that your guess on the price of the, um, the? So, there's two ashtrays here: the silver bar ashtray, and you have the gold bar ashtray. What is your, what would you pay for the silver bar ashtray? Uh, I'll say 2,300 on that one. Retail price 800 dollars. Oh, okay. Now, the gold bar, the one that's plated in 24 karat gold, what would you pay? Yeah, it hasn't worked yet. Let's say $2,300. $1,061. But it's not that cool an ashtray for that kind of money. No, it really isn't. I mean, it'll look cool sitting on your countertop when you're not using it as an ashtray. Because it looks like it's a cover on it, right? Right. It's, yeah, it's obviously, you know, a, a gold bullion that side would be worth $40,000. No, 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 but I'm saying, were they just showing that in the picture you showed me, there was the silver one and the gold one. Was the gold like a cover that goes over it, or was that just the the other side just the showing you? The other side, you, oh, you just okay. roll it over. Oh, okay. I was thinking there was a bit more going on in that than there was. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't look like much, especially because what, what looks like a big old chunk of gold is when it's when the small side is up, if that makes sense. It's kind right. of trapezoidal shaped. Yeah, when the skinny side is up, that's where the, all the printing is and stuff like this. But you have to turn it upside down to use it as an ashtray. So it doesn't even look like what it's supposed to look like when it's in use. It, do, it doesn't seem to me like something that will be in my purchasing future or something that will be in many people's purchasing future. No, I mean, I like the idea more so than I do the execution. Let's talk about one last thing tonight. All right. Um, let's talk about golf and cigars. And all. I've got an article here from Corona Cigars in their blog, and they do a great blog. And we talk a lot about golf and cigars. Yeah, and not much lately. Have you golfed this season at all? Not yet. I got a tournament August twelfth. I got to go to the driving range. Yeah, I haven't played in about two years. Yeah, I'm on. It was the last time you played with me. Yeah, yeah. It's it's going to be pretty embarrassing on the 12th, but it's a scramble. So all I got to do is hit five or six good shots. I don't have to. You don't have to carry it all. Yeah, I don't. I, boy, I hope I don't have to carry the team. They're going to be in a sad state <laughs> of affairs if I have to carry the team. But basically, they've got three basic rules for smoking a cigar on the golf course. Don't ash on the green. Use a travel ashtray. That's the number one, is that, you know, there's a number of great travel ashtrays in there. Um, Drew Estate makes a good one that actually fits into your golf cart cup holder, Mm -hmm. which is always handy. Zycar makes one like that, too. Yeah, and the Drew Estate one's probably a Zycar one. They just put the undercrown symbol on it. Um, Bring a travel ashtray. 
don't be flicking your ash. You know, if you're in the fairway or, in my case, if you're deep in the bowels of the woods and there's prehistoric, you know, lizards learning to fly, <laughs> then, yeah, I, I think... I think don't ash in the tee box and don't ash on the green. Anywhere else is sort of fair game, in my opinion. But I do like the idea of, of a travel ashtray. I'll tell you what, the cigar clip that I use is one that I don't know that we've ever actually talked on the show before. It's It doesn't actually retain your cigar at all. There's no, there's no clip that holds your cigar to it. It's just a trough that you set the cigar in, much like in an ashtray. But it's got a little ashtray built into it. Right. So when you get to the next tea box, you can dump the ashes in the trash can and then keep on going. Right, and keep on going. And that, that's a good idea. It doesn't work great. Don't forget to pick your cigar up before you move the cart because it will bounce out. Sure. But and I'll um, bring a torch lighter. Oh yeah. That's always if you've a got a windproof, even better. Yeah. And I'll, I when that you know I use the Calibri Julius here. But on the golf course, I'm always going to bring my Lotus, my Lotus Colossus. Yeah, I'm not a huge torch lighter fan, as we've talked about. But on the golf course, you have to. And their last is smoke a large cigar. And I'll it's less likely to go out between shots. Yes, it's going to burn more evenly, more consistently through the round. Um, smoke a bigger cigar. And if you start, and if it does start to go out, you're more likely to be able to bring it back by just puffing on it a little bit more to kind of nurse it back to health versus a small one, which is going to go out super fast. My other rule that I would add to this... Bring enough to share? Bring five cigars. Mm -hmm. Bring enough for the foursome and an extra one for you, just in case you come across. You know, and we've spoke of the Muchador. I'm generally going to bring two Muchador cigars, Two good medium of the road cigars, and then the cigar that I'm really looking forward to, you know, for that particular day. Yeah, and I'm, we've talked about this before. You smoke a cigar per round. I'm one on the front nine, one on the back nine. Right. Yeah, I generally don't fire up till a whole four or five. And it usually also depends by on the thirteen. I'm done. It also depends on the tea time. If we're teeing off at eight thirty in the morning, I'm not. I'm probably only going to smoke one cigar that day, just because I'm not going to light up until about halfway through the first nine. Yeah. Well, due to the fact that somebody has decided to turn TV up loud enough that people can hear it across the road, I guess it's about time to wrap this show up. I believe it is. Well, in the meantime, you can always get a hold of us at info at thecigarcast.com. We're also on Facebook for now at facebook.com slash thecigarcast. Instagram for now at thecigarcast and Twitter at the same. We don't sell any cigars. We should be safe. Uh, but just wait. You give them an inch, I'll take a mile. That's right. And I'll, um, before we go, pronounce judgment. McAuliffe Lajero. It's a six. It's a six. It's a great cigar. It's a good six. Um, yeah, I've got to go six on the Chiquito, on the Lunatic Habano Chiquito. Um, not enough difference. I wish if I could fix anything, I would, I would want them to do something a little different with the blend because you can tell it's the same blend of binder and filler. They just put a different wrapper on it. And with the, like you said, you like the bigger ring gauges because you get more wrapper, but in, it makes up a smaller percentage of the overall volume of tobacco in the cigar. So in a cigar that big around, 70 ring gauge, yeah, you get more wrapper overall, but the effects of that wrapper is going to be much more subtle because it's just you're getting mostly binder and filler. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening. And until next week, have a great cigar and think well of us. 